Hello and welcome to this special edition of Embodied Astrology. My name is Renee Sills. I'm an intuitive astrologer and movement educator and the host of this podcast. My guest is Alice Sparkly Cat, who I had the pleasure of speaking with about their practice and new book, Postcolonial Astrology. Alice Sparkly Cat is a consulting astrologer and astrology writer. They use astrology to rechart a history of the subconscious, redefine the body and the world, and reimagine history as collective memory. Their astrological work has inhabited MoMA, Philadelphia Museum of Art, and the Brooklyn Museum. They're the author of Postcolonial Astrology, which was published earlier this year, and explores the political power of astrology, showing how it can be channeled as a force for collective healing and liberation. They're also the author of several other books and workbooks, all available from their website, Alice Sparkly Cat, that's cat with a K, dot com. This episode was recorded in Leo season 2021, as Mercury's retrograde shadow in Gemini was just culminating. I'm releasing this episode in September 2021, and Libra season has just begun, and Mercury is now preparing to station retrograde, also in Libra. Libra is often associated with legal and justice systems, as well as the concepts of relational and institutional equity and accountability. As we head into the last quarter of 2021, the legal and justice systems in the United States are being extremely challenged and tested. Over the next several months, important legislation affecting immigration and borders, voting rights, civil rights, abortion access, and climate and energy futures are all at stake. I'm excited to share this episode with you, and I enthusiastically promote postcolonial astrology as an important and timely addition to the astrological community and to all of us who are interested in the potential for astrology to shape and reshape our lives and the worlds around us. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Postcolonial Astrology is your third book, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you've written. And um, it was published about a month and a half ago. And I know you've been making a ton of appearances on podcasts and doing workshops uh, around the book and stuff. And yeah, I was just wondering how you are and how all this has been for you, because it seems like it must be a, a pretty major moment in your life and career. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I hope people are reading it. Like, yeah, some people said that they are. So I'm hopeful that people are reading it. Um, yeah, or it's the fourth book I self-published too. And then there's another one, like just about the sign cancer as part of a series that a bunch of people wrote mm. together. Yeah, um, but I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard in um, one of the podcast interviews you gave that you're an Aquarius rising. I am, Yeah. Um, so that puts Gemini in your fifth house. It's that, true. Right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I, when I was getting ready to talk to you today, I pulled up the chart for the release of, of postcolonial astrology. It was published oh, on cool. May 18th. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just noticing that uh, May 15th was the beginning of Mercury retrograde shadow in Gemini. Oh, and really? we're about to, yeah, we're about to leave the shadow on the 7th. And so I was Whoa. like, gosh, you know, how, how's it been? Like, y- this is your baby <laughs> or a baby that you've birthed into the world, that fifth house theme of your creations. And um, yeah, over the last couple of weeks, I, I've been loving getting into the book. And how has it been for you, like with this coming out into the world? And um, I've never published a book. So I'm just imagining like mm-hmm. the fruit of all of this research and preparation and um, creativity of yours is now its own form out there. 
Um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Honestly, it's a lot of like just looking for mistakes too, like looking for errors. Uh, and like, you know, cause uh, yeah, like there's some errors that I found. So we're trying to fix that for the second printing. I think like, I know there's an error on one um, page 179. There's another error in the Venus section. Like I like got, you know, some people's first names wrong. So like, yeah, there's like a couple errors. Um, but I mean, my life's pretty much stayed the same. Like, yeah, you know, living the same place. I got vaccinated so I can go out more, but um, yeah, that's, but yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm excited that people like, I mean, have the book. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm about a third of the way through it now. And um, I've been so impressed with, with the depth and the breadth of your research. And as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong here, I, I think that this is really the first published work that uses post-colonial theory and critical race theory to examine astrology. Um, is, that, is that true? I've never come across a book like yours before. I don't know. Yeah. I know that there's people who are like teaching like tarot and stuff uh, with intersectional theory and things like that. Um, so it's like, I definitely feel like I'm working off of a tradition of people. Um, but like, I haven't really seen a published book that is maybe like mixing the two together uh, in a blatant way. But a lot of post-colonial theory, it also references astrology too. Um, so I think it, like, I feel like, yeah, definitely that I'm like working with an already existing thing too. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your research for the book and um, what drew you to write it, uh, how you organized your research and, and what that process was like for you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so like I started with Saturn. So first I just kind of wrote an article on my website about Saturn, um, but then I wanted to make it like kind of a zine. Uh, and that was like kind of reading the, uh, Saturn and the moon in opposition. So a lot of what I was finding was that both Saturn and the moon, they were talking about capital. Uh, so like I made the zine um, and then, so that's when I proposed the book. And then, so then I was researching the sun a little bit um, like in relationship to the same concepts. Uh, Venus and Mars, I already knew I wanted to talk about power. And so a lot of the research for that, it was kind of along similar lines too. Um, and then Mercury and Jupiter is kind of more up than air. So it like, it changed a lot like, during the writing process. Um, but basically I would just kind of like go into some of the significations for each planet and then research those things, uh, research um, like things that people had already put together about the planets. Um, but there were things that like, cause I've been thinking about these things for about five years before. So there were things that I had, had already read that I knew I wanted to reference too. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of it was just kind of like looking for like, yeah, like random PDFs online or I got a JSTOR login. So I just like search the sun or something on JSTOR. Um, yeah. Um, when you said you've been thinking about these things for about five years before, um, so I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts in the last couple of weeks to try and, you know, hear what you've been talking about. And I think in one of them, you said you started doing astrology in 2016. Yeah. That, or 2015, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in, 
what's been your trajectory? Like, it feels like reading this book that you have a pretty solid grounding in, in theory and um, scholarship. And did, is that a background that you're coming into astrology with or something that you're developing uh, concurrently with your astrology practice? I'm definitely developing concurrently. Like, I don't have an academic background. Or, like, I'm not trained, like, in, like, academia. Like, uh, like what I did go to college and I went to, like, study art uh, at this, like, free school. It was very nebulous. Like, we didn't really learn anything except for art. Um, so it's something I just started reading about after. So definitely, like, as I was learning astrology. Wow. Wow. That is not at all what I would have expected. I mean, reading your book, I've been like, oh my God, I there's so much I have to learn. Like it is, it's really a treat to, to feel like, you know, a lot of astrology books um, feel very speculative in some ways. It's like, well, here are these symbols and this is what this means. And there's not a lot of um, information or orientation as to how these symbols developed, or it feels very kind of mystical in some way. And, you know, reading your book feels like, concrete and grounded it's like okay here's the the etymology these are the histories and the way you're presenting it um uh yeah I wouldn't have guessed that you didn't oh have a, a background mm -hmm. in, in scholarship oh I'm so glad and relieved too I feel like that's something that haunts me because I'm looking for areas I'm like oh my god like I never really learned how to write an essay <laughs> Like, I think, like, that's why there's, like, so many errors, too. But, um, yeah, hopefully we'll, we've caught them all. I don't know if we have. But. Um, wow. Well, it, it really comes across, like, uh, <laughs> like you're, you're in the, the academic field and in conversation with a lot of the, the philosophers and the theorists that you mentioned. And I guess that was part of my curiosity in, like, in your researching of this book, um, because you pull in um you pull in so much i mean there's there's world history there's trade history there's economics there's linguistics what is it like to be inside your brain is it like this book is it i mean is it <laughs> is this what goes on in, in your brain all the time well no yeah i mean like the way i use astrology is mostly in client practice so it's like really different like i feel like i doubt a lot about what astrology is like kind of you know like exists as uh sometimes just because i'm like a little bit cynical sometimes but like a lot of um yeah a lot of the practice looks really different too um yeah um in your book and in in some of the podcasts i've heard you on you describe astrology frequently as a language um which is also one of the main ways that that i think about it and um you kind of lay it out really clearly in the introduction of your book that language is an important element of experience in society and it's definitely not neutral, but it's a device or a technology that can be used for social and political control, you know, as well as for poetry or, or revelation. Um, and in your analysis of linguistics, uh, you kind of point out like some of the baseline assumption and biases that have been built into um, social foundations or political institutions. Um, and then in the, in an interview you did with Chris Brennan on the astrology podcast, you mentioned that language is always changing and only exists in their circulation, um, which I thought was really interesting how you articulated that. 
And I guess what I was wondering is if, if we're thinking about astrology in its function as a language, um, basically a set of symbols that can represent or stand in for abstractions um, and conceptualizations about materiality, um, as well as something that has to be alive and changing <clears throat> in order to be relevant, then we understand that language and astrology as a language has this incredible power, like to mm -hmm. frame an experience and to, to also frame a foundation or to underlie an expectation or a bias um, and literally influence, you know, someone's experience of something or how they might approach a particular situation. And I was wondering, you know, in your practice with astrology, um, what feels like the most fascinating or compelling to you about this moment in the formation of astrology as a language and the potential that it's giving to, um, to, to you, to the communities that you're working with um, and to how you see it working in the larger world to build frameworks for experience or action? Yeah, I think that what's like most inspiring, exciting to me is just how people are using astrology which is like really different from I think how it's uh like kind of remembered as being used a lot of the time uh because I think that people like have like this like kind of distance with how they practice astrology where they're like hey here's the archetype but here's my interpretation of it uh and so it's kind of like how people are like reusing gender too it's like the idea of like fem it's not really about being feminine it's about like a whole like reaction towards femininity too and so i think that like how people are using a lot of the meanings uh within astrology it's kind of like in the same like almost sarcastic but like really authentic and genuine like way also uh so like i don't know i feel like that creates so much potential because then you could say something and mean it but not really mean it in the way that the meaning has been supported too uh so like, I feel like that's kind of what happens when meaning breaks down with the language. Hmm. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Like um, about how you can talk about something, but maybe talk sarcastically around it or mm -hmm. use it in a metaphor. Like how do you, do you have a personal example of that or some way that you're thinking about that right now? Yeah, I mean, just like a really simple example that I've been thinking about because it's cancer season is just like the way people talk about cancer energy, uh, like because, you know, like this whole like hysterical, like emotionality has been so stigmatized. But then to see people say like, you know, it's cancer season. So I feel this way about having a feeling, but I'm going to have it like there's something like just really nice about seeing that. Um and it's a way to bring people together too. Like, I feel like, like that's what it's doing. It's like, it's creating a lot of relationships, um, but definitely like just kind of the tone that people are using this language. Hmm. Um, how has astrology as a language shaped your perception since you started using it mm -hmm. six or seven years ago? Yeah, I think it's changed a lot for me because when I was first using it, I was in kind of a crisis point. Uh, and then I feel like a lot of people get into astrology at like different crisis points. And then uh, you kind of like, you're just like, you're looking for someone who like maybe shares the same 
experience with the same problems without maybe having some of the language to name the problems. And then, uh, so that's how I got into astrology. So I was just, I mean, I was really looking for affirmation when I got into it. Um, but then I, like, as it's turned into a practice, I think that it's just like, it's changed a lot for me. Um, yeah. In, in your practice with astrology, so you have a blog, you do, um, you write essays and poems and horoscopes, and then you teach astrology and give readings. Um, has researching and writing this book changed your astrology practice in the way that you kind of conceive of this language? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, I don't know. Cause I feel like in some ways, like the client practice really drives like a lot of the change. So maybe the client work, like, uh, changed the book actually. Um, in that I'm like, Hey, like, you know, it's not like we're looking for any like truths or guidance or anything like from astrology. It's really about like the person to person contact, um, at the end of the day. So like doing that, doing the practice I think like you kind of come back to that a little bit too um and then yeah so like I like I feel like like maybe both have influenced each other one one thing I've been reflecting on like reading reading your book has been the associative mind and like how for me um doing astrology it feels like a a process of like free association and intuition a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and when I'm connecting with the chart there's everything that I've learned about the symbols, but in the moment that I'm connecting with the chart, I'm not thinking about what I've learned necessarily, or like thinking about rules or technicalities. It's just what's coming to me in that moment, like whatever is arising, you know, intuitively and through my associative mind. Right. And, you know, one thing I, I love about astrology is that the symbols are so loaded, you know, with potential mm-hmm. associations. It's like there's medical associations, phenomen- phenomenological associations, mm-hmm. like geographic associations, emotional associations. And then in your book, you're offering all of these associations that um, I haven't come across before that have to do with power and capital and um, history. And um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, how is this going to change my own association with these symbols? Because I've been thinking a lot about that, you know, as I'm tuning in with your book going like, okay, now I have to include this in my database, right? Like in my associative database, mm-hmm. it's going to come up. And so I'm curious about how you work with association and intuition or, or how you approach intuition as a concept um, kind of parallel to working with symbolism through uh like a a decolonizing lens and through a critical lens well i think like i mean with like with the client practice uh like you know it's not like i'm going like oh here's your saturn here's what it means like here's all the different associations and meanings and here's like you know some post-colonial theory it's not like that it's so much like you know like what has your life been like uh yeah, like what's going on with you? Can we talk more about this? Um, like, hey, this transit's happening to you. How are you experiencing that? So like, I feel like uh, it, like when I write, like that's my voice, that's my opinion about things. Like you can take it or leave it. Like, you know, you can tell me to go fuck myself if you want. But like with the client work, like I'm not really sharing my opinion actually. So like, it because, and the reason for that, it's like, 
it's because like that's like how I grow as an astrologer too. It's like, I mean, it's to provide this space where it's your space, the client's space, but it's also so I'm learning from the client. Um, so it's like, it's so different because um, I feel like sometimes with writing, like, you know, I'm not like kind of uh, holding space for another person. I'm just like, it's just my voice. Um, and then, yeah, it's uh, so I'm, I guess like there are associations I'm kind of like going uh, through and like the thing that I always like try to do with clients is to not make astrology about like diagnosis so when we're talking about like the moon we're like hey like you know how do you experience the moon like maybe that's family like what's your family like um things like that um or like how has your relationship with your body changed uh mm -hmm. throughout like this time period or something like that but yeah I don't know um like to bringing associations i mean i think i do in order to just kind of like open up and guide the conversation but like i think like i really tried to do it like with the purpose of like opening up the conversation and like kind of like not closing it i, I feel like i've learned about your astrology through listening to your podcast episodes and are you your cancer sun oh i'm a cancer moon oh cancer moon <laughs> okay i knew you had a cancer i'm an aries sun very no. fun. Okay. What about you? What are you? I'm a Leo, double Leo, mm -hmm. rising and sun mm -hmm. and Taurus moon. Um, yeah. Happy lunar return is just Taurus moon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, I've got, um, all my fixed placements are in the, um, kind of earlier parts of the sign. So I feel like mm -hmm. this year I've been really like, oh my god the, the fixed cross holy shit like with the saturn uranus square mm -hmm. and mars and leo right now nice. definitely feeling it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the fixed signs are going through what us cardinal signs like went through so just kidding a lot is a lot um i but you know i i definitely resonate a lot with leo as an energy um and feel like astrology is really helpful in trying to like reckon with that energy mm -hmm. or like wrestle with it. Mm -hmm. And I was really, I was so interested to read the first chapter in your book on the sun and mm -hmm. the way that you kind of mo moved into the sun and its relationship with, with gold and, um, you know, with, with this, uh, metal and, mining and kind of an um symbolism of you know some kind of like d divinely given power something that the monarchy um would associate itself with and i marked a couple pages and would it be okay if i just if i just read from your book oh sure uh, yeah yeah i liked like looking through the gold and silver stuff i wanted to try to like learn more about copper and iron but there isn't there just like isn't as much like material on those metals oh wow yeah i mean i didn't really know anything about any of this i mean mining as an industry or the history of of these metals i was familiar with Aurum Metallicum as the homeopathic application for Leo and for like Leo uh, remediation. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, it's gold, you know, mm -hmm. to, to give to people that are having kind of an afflicted Leo situation. Oh. Um, and, you know, the association of Leo with gold, I was familiar with that, but um, 
So, so you write on page 28 that the period between the discovery of gold in the Witwatersand uh, and the establishment of the city of Johannesburg was a turning point in the history of not only South Africa, but the whole continent. And England was the biggest benefactor of this operation. In the period immediately after mining began in South Africa and the consequent racial segregation, gold was circulated throughout the West on an unprecedented level. This gold was primarily sourced from South Africa, but by 1950, 94% of the gold that had been mined in Africa was pulled out of circulation, buried in underground vaults located mostly in New York and London. Um, and these centers became, these centers of power became global financial capitals controlling most of the world's gold and with it credit. And then later you wrote that exclusivity is, gener is generated by engineered artificial scarcity. And, that later in uh, like a page or so later, um, you, you kind of continue, you know, to work with gold and um, uh, start to talk about the monarchy and uh, Louis XIV. Um, and you wrote the absolute monarchy was not a top-down authoritarian use of power. Rather, it was a social compromise between different factions of power that all oriented themselves around the king as center. And I, I was just really struck by, you know, this, this research and what you're pulling together and thinking about Leo's association with, of course, with gold and with royalty, but with the sun and with an energetic center. And thinking about, you know, my own experience kind of, uh, working with Leo energy and talking to people about Leo in their chart and what gets kind of cultivated um, at least in, um, in America, like growing up here, you know, in this kind of concept of meritocracy and individualism where everybody's encouraged to be special mm -hmm. and to want to be special. And some of the energy that I feel that can come with, with Leo, which is, um, uh, a desire to be at the center of something, you know, and, and to like receive energy uh, coming in, but also to give energy out, right? And to give it out in this kind of like effusive way or something like that. And yeah, I guess, you know, as I was reading that, it, it really helped me kind of clarify for myself some of the tension that I feel around Leo as an energy um, in the way that I might associate it simply as energy, you know, as a, a set, you know, everybody has a heart in their body, everybody emits heat, <laughs> um, everybody can be at the center of their own story or their own sphere. Um, but then what that gets turned into as like a cultural instinct or um, some kind of like conditioned impulse or, or something like that, and how you continue to break down in that chapter, um, you know, who even has access to gold or who even has access to being uh, someone who can take up space at the center of something. And you continue in that chapter to, to start to look at how theater got developed through, mon you know, through the monarchy and, and this kind of um, uh, illumination of light and spectacle and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And everybody has Leo in their chart, right? And so you're like working with the sun and everybody has the sun in, in their chart. And in your book, you, you know, you give a lot of information and I've heard you say that you want the book to stimulate questions. And so I guess a question for, for you that I have is like, um, 
what does this tell you about the sun, you know, in, in a person's chart um, in terms of not what it quote unquote means, but in terms of like how you're going to talk around meaning. Like if, if there is um, an instinct that anybody might possess to be at the center of something or to radiate their own life. And then you've done this work and this research to look at um, all of these various intersecting layers of, of power and access to power or what gets illuminated, what stories get told, et cetera. How do you interpret that, you know, when you're thinking about the sun in a person's chart? Yeah, I mean, with the sun in a person's chart, I always like to ask questions about their concept of father, like not necessarily their like biological father or anything, but how they experience the idea of father. Like this kind of like patriarchal figure, uh, you know, whatever that is, like that could be themselves, it could be a friend, I mean, it could be their biological father, it could be a teacher, uh, anything like that. And to just ask questions about like, you know, like, you know, expectations around that fig uh, figure, like what that figure expects them to be, how like their experience um, of dad. Um, and that's how I like to work with the son. Uh, with Leo, like the sign that the sun rules, I think that like a lot of how we experience like visibility sometimes like is a little bit like uh, like gold too, where like there's this kind of like assumed scarcity. Uh, it's like, it's very scary. It kind of like centers um, like, yeah, people like, you know, it's, yeah, like there's like some kind of connection with it. Uh, so sometimes we talk about that. It really depends on what the client wants to talk about. Uh, so, I mean, like sometimes we don't talk about the son in relationship to dad. Sometimes we talk about in relationship to like their experience of being a child. Um, sometimes we talk about it. Like a lot of times when I work with artists, like we sometimes do talk about the idea of cultural capital and just how it affects their practice too. Because uh, I think that's something that artists are like pretty aware of and want to talk about uh, but it's like it's like it's so much like up to the client what they want to talk about so it like I don't really have like a general kind of um, like oh you know this is like how we use the sun in practice um, it yeah it definitely fluctuates a lot um, but like you know we talk a lot about um, yeah like you know who the person is but also just like their experience of these concepts too hmm. yeah I guess that would be another question is um do you translate uh, what what you've done with the planets to their corresponding signs and houses as well? Are you thinking about you know the associations that you've given here to the sun also in terms of the energy of Leo or the fifth house? Yeah, I think about in terms of Leo, not necessarily the fifth house so much. Like I think about the fifth house more in relationship with Venus since Venus rejoices mm -hmm. there. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so with the houses, are you, you're using more of a Hellenistic approach? Yeah, with the houses. But sometimes, like, yeah, I use natural houses, too. I definitely, I think that, like, this is my, like, kind of speculative theory is that I think a lot of, like, how we know the houses that it, like, kind of solidified after the Middle Ages. And, like, natural houses are really popular during the Middle Ages. So I think it's really fair to use natural houses. When you work with your own chart, not a, another client's, um, just given, you know, we were just talking about the sun. So like when you work with your own sun, 
uh, are you also thinking about gold? Are you thinking about the, these histories that you've you've looked at? I think like in some ways, like the way I work my own chart, like unless it's with a practitioner, like an astrologer, it's like very silly and embodied. Like the way yeah. it like maybe like shows up the most is just when I'm like having fun with my partner and like, yeah, you know, my son is an Aries, he's co-president, my uh, Aries Venus, like we kind of call it my like uh, Chad Venus. So like the figure of the patriarch definitely like shows up in how we're using and like kind of misusing it. Uh, but it's like it's in such a silly way um, but it's definitely like yeah I'm like oh I'm acting like a Chad right now sorry sometimes or like oh this is like yeah how I like to have fun sorry <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. that yeah that makes sense I feel like my um, approach with astrology with myself is always like a question like what mm-hmm. like there are no answers. It's never like, oh, this makes sense. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, oh, is this that? Is this that kind of <laughs> to me right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that like, because with yourself, you can have more inside jokes and shorthands than like, mm-hmm. yeah. And like, you know, like I have a much less like structured way of just talking to myself than with a client. What do you think about astrology right now like if you are going to um take an analysis of like today's astrology you know we've just come out of of mars square to uranus kind of like setting off the the uranus saturn square that's so prevalent this year mm-hmm. um i wonder if you'd be willing to do a, a kind of analysis of the moment um and bring in some of the the lens of the post-colonial astrology that you've been working with Oh yeah, like the chart for right now, yeah. Sure, yeah. Do you want to? Should we pull yeah. it up? So yeah, Venus and Mars together in Leo, uh, right? You know, ruled by the Sun, positive Moon, exalted Moon in Taurus, um, yeah. and then Jupiter is in retrograde. Um, so like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I had a great Taurus Moon yesterday. Like, I ate. Uh, like I ate four peaches in the last two days and it's like white peach season. So I'm just mm. enjoying that, like, you know, peach flesh right now. Um, mm. So I feel like, yeah, I'm having a pretty enjoyable, like, um, yeah, like just kind of like, uh, like a tourist moon time. Um, I, I've been going to a lot of parks recently. So like, I mean, this is how I've been experiencing this time. I don't know about anyone else. Um, but like, yeah, Sun and Cancer have been feeling a bit nostalgic over there. Uh, yeah, the opposition between the two, uh, you know, like Saturn and uh, Mars, I haven't really been feeling that personally. I did have a moment yesterday when I was like, I had been microdosing and then my partner was just like, did you know that the ocean's on fire right now and I was like oh my god like I feel so scared that my knees are physically weak right now um and yeah so maybe like that's happening a little bit like this heat it's making me a little bit scared too um yeah yeah the Jupiter thing like I feel like when Jupiter entered Pisces like that's where I definitely felt like oh my god I can go outside again I just had my vaccine um the retrograde I'm kind of I mean I've been keeping to myself a little bit more too uh there's mercury and gemini right now too yeah yeah um 
but yeah i mean i've been like i've been journaling like yeah not every day but now and then you know um yeah yeah it seems a little bit scattered right now honestly like like i don't know if uh you feel that way but it seems like there's uh like three planets in their domicile uh place so it like it feels like there's a lot going on and that we don't really have enough time for it and i feel like after the eclipses that people really want to sleep um mm-hmm. yeah just like you know sleep for a little bit longer at night it feels like there's so much information to integrate and like it doesn't stop coming in yeah. you know like <laughs> it's already overwhelming and then there's more mm-hmm. yeah yeah i feel like there's just like there's so many like separate things going on yeah yeah do you use astrology um for yourself to like help you contextualize politics or what's happening kind of outside of your personal life in the world Mm. yeah that's a good question yeah in terms of like um I guess like I don't really have a regular practice of reading like current events with the chart of the moment, actually, because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm more interested in looking at how like uh, changes in a person's life is affecting them rather than like kind of this macroscopic view of the world. Yeah. 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 And I also like I'm not that up to date on like current events, too. Fair. Yeah. I, um, I haven't gotten to this, to the part in your book, maybe where you, um, lay this out, but, um, in a couple of the more recent podcast interviews that you've done, I've, I've heard you or the host kind of talk about, um, something that you say in the book, which is that tropical astrology or Western astrology is not universal. And so we can't, uh, necessarily use it with everyone or for everything. Um, and I wonder if, you know, in that question of like, do you ever use astrology to think through world events? Um, if there's a kind of another question there for you of like, um, where, where does astrology like begin and end for you as um, a means of um, e- expanding your questions or like giving you particular context that you want to think things through with? Yeah, I think it's hard for me to use astrology with kind of current events. Um, I mean, I think that like Western astrology, yeah, it's not universal. Um, and there's like, there's sidereal forms of Western astrology too. So there's like many mm-hmm. different forms of Western astrology. Um, but yeah, it's hard for me to like, kind of like use astrology with current events. Uh, because like last night, I was actually reading this book about COVID and what happened. And like part of the book, uh, it, like they were kind of like going into this like interplay, be- like comparison between China and the United States. And like, it's like, I wanted to kind of like throw the book into the corner actually, cause I really dislike um, like looking at China in that way, which I feel like Americans do a lot, which is like in a purely ideological way, like which system is better? Is this capitalism with Asian characteristics? Is this communism versus capitalism? This kind of like, and or like rivalry? Because that's not how I experienced China. Like, uh, you know, there's parts of China that are like very developed and there's parts of China that are not. And 
like the place that I come from, it's like, it's not very developed. Uh, so like the way I experience it, I'm like, like when I'm going back, I'm like, like I'm experiencing it like through my family. Like um, I, I come from like uh, my lineage is like both my uh, grandmothers, they're uh, rural peasants who married into the urban proletariat. So then like they got to experience some class ascension because of that. But then there's parts of my family that are in the countryside. Uh, so when I go back, like, you know, I'm using the bathroom in China, like things like this. So like, I'm really, I'm not interested in looking at like some of what's going on in this like, kind of purely ideological way. Uh, so then like, I'm not gonna be looking at this like kind of geopolitics thing, like through a Western astrological lens too because there's so many different cosmologies and then there's just like so many different experiences. Um, and with a lot of like the like larger politics stuff, um, like I'm not interested in talking about it because I'm only interested in like listening to. Uh, so like, I think that's why it's like, it's kind of hard for me to engage in like politics from this like kind of birds I like view objective level, um, but definitely like, with local politics and things like that, uh, like sometimes I'll look at things and I'm like, all oh, votes are being counted like on a Mercury retrograde uh, or things like that. Um, but that's just kind of like for my own observations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm also, I guess I also find it surprising to mm -hmm. hear you say that because I've experienced you as a very mm -hmm. political astrologer. You know, oh, that yeah. But I feel like, like politics for me, it's about your friendships. It's about like, yeah, like the food you eat, like it's about life. Um, and like, I definitely like, yeah, maybe I should have more of a practice of looking at the news, but um, I don't like really. Maybe not. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've talked about astrology as care work. Um, a lot in, in what you've written and, and spoken to, I'm guessing, right, with your ascendant that your cancer moon is the sixth house moon. Yeah. And that feels like resonant and, and um, really on point with, you know, you being an, an astrologer who would relate to astrology as care work to have that placement. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about astrology as care work and, and how you're working to cultivate care through your practice. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the most exciting things to me is just like how many people are using astrology as care work, because there's therapists using astrology, uh, there's, um, you know, just like people who like use astrology to care about their friends, there's teens who use astrology as kind of like peer support, like that's, it's like, it's so magical to have that going on. Because then people who like, maybe don't want to, or like, don't have access to like institutionalized forms of support like like they can have access to this language that feels really supportive and uh these practices are going on uh, just like right there in their communities too um so like the client work it's a really structured way of providing support uh but i think it also shows up in different ways too because i think that play is something that's really supportive and I think that's like how people like uh, like use astrology a lot of the time too. Uh, so it's a way to uh, like start conversations, to make jokes, um, to make people feel like like they're like seen in a room that they're noticed uh, when they're in, in a room. 
Um, it's a way to like kind of get people to gather sometimes. Um, yeah, it can be part of your kink practice. Uh, like there's just so much potential for astrology's care work. It's like, it's so exciting. And so with your practice with astrology as a language, how are you telling the story of this language and reformulating the language through an ethics of care, through a practice of care? Yeah, I think it happens a lot in collaboration. Um, Cause I could say like, hey, like Saturn, it's like, you know, the, here's some of the associations or like, you know, ask a question about something. Um, and a person can talk back to me they can be like, well, that's not like how I want to like experience Saturn or like, that's not what I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about this and then like, yeah like it's just like so much back and forth um yeah and yeah I'm just like yeah really grateful for like the clients for like kind of like doing that work with me too yeah it seems like I mean you create such an open space for it and in the way that I've heard you articulate and like reimagine a lot of the astrological symbols um you're you what you're bringing in you know in terms of of your theory or your politics and the way that you're seeing the symbols feels like a big expansion, you know, and like departure a lot of the times from some of the more like quote unquote traditional meanings that could feel very confining and like irrelevant or misplaced, I think for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? Like, yeah. if, you know, Saturn is always about such and such and all the cookbooks. And then it's like, you're able to, to see it through your vantage and then articulate it to people in a certain way or ask questions that allows them to articulate it for themselves in a certain way. Um, yeah, it feels like the, the, um, the, the care that you get to do there is really like um, a pretty profound care for the interior and the psyche and um, like the way that someone can formulate a, a self-concept. No, oh, thank you. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, I feel like it's like, it's so like, uh, like rich for me it makes me feel really fed um when like I mean because sometimes when you're reading about your sun or moon it's like oh your relationship with your dad is like this it feels like uh like so demoralizing but then when someone's like you know this is how I embody being a daddy like in my pink practice and here's what I want to talk about with the sun and dad like it makes it so much more fun too so I definitely get fed so much from it Mm. what do you have any um immediate examples you can think of of like new ways that you've been thinking about some of these symbols that are delightful for you right now and like sparking new interest for you Hmm. think about it yeah and I mean because like I had a couple clients today but I always need like space for reflection for after them for what I learned. Um, also, I never like divulge client information outside of a session. Um, but maybe like just in my own like personal life. Like I was joking uh, with some friends that like <laughs> like that cancer energy, like a love language is being taken for granted. Because uh, I definitely experienced that. And I experienced that in my relationship with my cat. Like, that's part of Cancer Moon, the sixth house, too. Like, I'm mm-hmm. very, very, very close to my cat. 
and I love it when she takes me for granted like so much that she is um, like you know kind of like dragging me everywhere with her paws on my shoulder uh, and screaming at me because I'm like oh my god like you need me like you um, you know you don't care that uh, you know you don't care about like making me mad or anything but this is actually also like when we watch Hunter x Hunter there like I don't know if you've seen that anime but there's a character called Killua was a cancer uh, with a Scorpio moon and uh, part of Kilo's whole thing is just like when he makes friends with someone he's like you don't have to thank me for saving you because that's just a given um, so I'm like yeah never thank me for anything. Wow I love that a love language is being taken for granted it feels like you really you really like tap into this kind of like bonding energy that feels very essential to cancer of like okay, we know each other, we're comfortable, there's no need to ask, no need to thank, like, right. we're just here. Yeah, yeah, it's a very scary energy, too, because then it's like, oh, like, this tells me that you need me, yeah, my friend was like, yeah, I can never date a water sign because of this, but. Mm. Yeah, I have Mars in Cancer, and mm. um, especially because Mars is just transiting Cancer, and I've had Pluto in opposition for the last mm. couple of years, and then really trying to like work out that placement for myself. And I definitely noticed that like, you know, I'll take, I'll take a lot of action to make people comfortable behind the scenes, you know, mm. and, and I end up kind of sometimes feeling like taken for granted because mm. it's like, it is this kind of like, do you have all your needs met? Like, let me just like move around mm. the periphery or like yeah, fill yeah. up the space <laughs> in such a way that you know, it's just about like prioritizing. <laughs> Are you getting fed? Do you have what you need? <laughs> yeah. But that's when you know that you're really powerful is when you're invisible too. Right. Well, I also have Mars <laughs> in the 12th house. And so, right. um, yeah, I, I think about like doing, doing horoscopes or doing astrology mm -hmm. in that way of just like, um, I mean, I love that you articulated astrology as care work because I, I really resonate with that a lot. It feels like the way mm -hmm. that, um, that I want to engage with it. And um, I hadn't heard it described like that before. And so when I heard you say that it, it clicked something for me that was a, a differentiation and like a, a really helpful reframe um, from what I sometimes like feel as kind of like a very patriarchal and hierarchical lineage of astrology being associated to advisors, you know, or like people right. who know something and they're gonna tell you something about yourself. Yeah. which I resist a lot because it, it can feel so oppressive. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's part of like, uh, like kind of like this really, like kind of like, oh, astrology is gonna like give you an objective view of things in some way kind of thing too, which it like, it never does too. Yeah. Right. But were you born in 1993? 83. Oh, 83, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have, did you have an idea about? Oh, no, I was just guessing because you said your Mars is in Cancer. So I was like, oh, I know that there's a ton of people with Mars in Cancer in 19, born 1993, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, um, 83, but yeah, no, Mars in Cancer has been, um, it's an interesting one. And, you know, maybe you have thoughts on this too, because I've, um, kind of only recently been coming to the to the Hellenistic work. And um, before that, I, I've just kind of had a hodgepodge of different astrology influences. But 
I've gravitated more towards uh, modern astrologers and then into like a somatic practice and like mm -hmm. more of a creative practice with it. Yeah. And so learning about the essential dignities has been kind of interesting. Uh, it's been super interesting, but also, you know, like it's something that I kind of like instinctually resist, like, mm -hmm. you know, as a queer person, I'm always, I'm always going to resist mm -hmm. anything that, you know, there's like, oh, it's bad yeah. when it's here and it's good when it's there, like that mm -hmm. feels really gendered. Um, but learning about um, Mars and Cancer has, has also been super interesting to think about like, well, what is this placement in its, in its like, you know, afflictedness or, or something like that? And how do mm -hmm. I understand that? But how do, how do you think about the essential dignities? Because I've heard you speak to them, but I don't know if I've necessarily heard your opinion on them. Yeah, because I feel like the essential dignities, like that's like a real point of collision with post-colonial theory and astrology too. Because essential dignities, like it's based on belonging and citizenship. So like the idea of the self and the other, like uh, which like kind of drives post-colonial Theory, like it's like it's so much about the like the domicile like where a planet uh like rules and then where it's considered to be an exile too uh so like that's why i really like using them um uh, i think that like because there's that aspect of it it gives like people more to talk about sometimes uh i think sam reynolds says that like modern astrology kind of treats the planets in different signs like they're wearing different clothes but then like there's something about traditional astrology that like makes it so that like the nature of the planet is actually what builds the sign too. Um, so like, I mean, I'm not a traditional astrologer though. Like I use modern planets, like things like that. Um, but I definitely like, yeah, I'm curious about it. Um, I also like it because there's like, like there's certain like, you know, like ancient, like it's not part of the West. So it's like this really old practice that doesn't originate like from the West. Um, and I mean, it's remembered as Western, but like a lot of the things in modern astrology, um, I think that like a lot of the meanings, uh, at least for me, like are a little bit like more confusing uh, because there's like certain planets that will have like a really short life uh just having um like memories in, like people playing with the association so then like the meanings of like uranus neptune pluto like they've changed like so much so the way i like to use modern planets is just like these are generational they're talking to your generation you'll know what they mean like when you hit like you know 40 um like things like that Mm -hmm. um when you when you were talking about essential dignities um as a place where a planet is either at home or not you know it either belongs or it doesn't and kind of like what that brings up it was it was reminding me of your chapter on the moon and um in that chapter I, on the very last page um you you talk about kind of like um, the moon as representative of the body and the somatic body, or what I would maybe call like the inner body, like the space of of where where feeling and physiology come together. Mm -hmm. um, and you know who, who belongs and who doesn't. And you talk about like the ties of kinship and how 
um, ties of kinship are broken in order to produce capital. And, you know, that this is where um, like slavery is rooted or enslavement is rooted is in breaking up an individual from their community. Um, and I, I was really struck by that in relationship to cancer, thinking about, you know, for me, I, I've mostly thought about cancer as um, you know, a bonding instinct, as like oxytocin, you know, or like where water molecules come together and like one drop then becomes a puddle. Yeah. And like, how, how do we, how do we come together and how do we have a sense of belonging or what is a sense of, of belonging or familiarity in a person's experience of that? And yeah, I guess I'm curious for you, you know, with, with, with a cancer moon and like a personal relationship to, to that sign um, in this question of like belonging or not belonging and the, the moon as a carrier of some of the meaning that um, you've articulated in this book, um, it feels like there's, yeah, like a really interesting tension and question um, that came up with learning about the moon. And especially because what you, what you illuminate a lot is that the moon as a symbol um, often has to do with displacement or like a rupture in uh, kinship or, or in bonding and, and connection. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, like this, this meaning that you've uh, elaborated on in the book and then kind of like maybe a more like pop astrology interpretation of cancer as you know, an energy that wants to come together and bond. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I feel like for every like planet, like, and this is where astrology gets really tricky is like, it always means this coming together of opposites. Um, and that's true for any planet. So the moon, it's about displacement, but it's also about home. Like it's about both those things. Um, just like the sun is about father but it's also about child like it's always about like this meeting of opposites so like that's how the archetypes are kind of formed um so there's not really like oh you know like this planet it means this and then like you know you're kind of pushed in one direction you're pushed in like two directions at once so then you have to think about both um but the way i like to work with the moon is just asking people like what they like see as uh like their emotional body which is something that like if something happened to that thing like they would experience it on like experience it almost like a physical attack and that could be anything like it could be like a concept it could be a relationship uh and like i feel like it takes actually like a lot of work to like kind of figure out what we are identifying as part of our emotional bodies um and I feel like it tells us a lot, like when we're able to do that. And like these things, they change too. Uh, yeah, for me personally, like as a cancer, I feel like my room is definitely, or my bed is definitely like an emotional body. Like if someone came in here in anger, like I would feel like that's an attack on my physical body. Um, yeah. And also like, you know, six house moon, like maybe my cat too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really made me reflect a lot on, um, I guess belonging as like a very ephemeral kind of experience and mm -hmm. also what I imagine or think is like a very basic kind of human instinct or longing. And in reading your chapter, um, a lot came up in, in terms of what you laid out, you know, who, who gets to belong, who has a place as, um, you know, a national or as a, 
who, who gets delegated to a role of foreigner or stranger, who gets to make home in a place or who's always outside of home. And then how we develop currencies for connection. Um, and through the exchange of those currencies might be able to cultivate some temporary space of home, you know, and temporary yeah. could be a lifetime, but, but that there's like a fragility within our bonds that has um, really been in, impacted by transaction and currency and power um, in, in a way that like can't be ignored. And so it helped me kind of like deepen my own analysis of a sense of belonging um, to really think about um, belonging, you know, as a, as a very big metaphor that can include uh, a lot of, of lineage and, you know, kind of like the time space continuum as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like with home, it's like, like home, it, then we start talking about the nuclear family and the nationality. Yeah. It's so complicated. And like, even when I say like my room is like an extension of my body almost. I'm like, well, I'm renting on occupied land, like in this gentrifying neighborhood. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, yeah, my home is like my home and then like I get to belong or anything like that. It's like, yeah, it's always changing. Right. But in that chapter, then you also talked about the moon as being representational of um, mobile wealth, like the wealth, like wealth that you have that you can like pick up and move with. And then at some point, I think you bring that back to the body, you know, that like the, this is it. Uh, this is um, the, the most <laughs> the most valuable piece of mobile wealth that anybody's going to have access to. Um, and in that you you tie the body to reproductive labor um, and that in turn to the moon again. But um, yeah, I, I thought that was it was really interesting and super informative you know, to be think to be thinking about that and um, the the moon and you know, kind of like more of a medical context of thinking about the stomach, you know, or the hungers, and like how do we satiate ourselves and um, kind of like what's a real hunger, or what's a fabricated hunger, or like a hunger that might come out of like a um, condition of capitalism or something, as opposed to like I don't know. A, a more simple hunger, you know, of um, kind of like the body and its instincts before it's been conditioned. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember, like, actually, like, so I do this reading group with people every month. And this last month, we like this last meeting, we were talking about the sun and moon. And that was something that someone like people were pointing out was that like, for some reason, uh, like how we like learn about the moon astrology, sometimes it comes from this point of view of like having to fix it, but then the sun's like allowed to do whatever it wants. Um, and then we're like, wait a second, whoa, 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 like what's going on there a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you particularly would be interested in talking about for the embodied astrology listeners a lot of folks um who who connect with me are somehow involved in like a somatic field um a lot of therapists body workers um performers too you know physical performers and and stuff like anything in particular that you'd like to be asked or to have conversation around I guess like I'm interested in like how like your practice kind of like how like how you see like embodying language 
um too because it's something that I, i've been like just thinking about like even last night i was thinking about it but yeah 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 i guess i mean it, it, I, I resonate with what i've heard you say about astrology being a place to ask questions from like it, that feels very um true for me like i um i resist astrology as a like oppressive technology that's going to like tell people who they are and what's going to happen and I'm more interested in it as like a, a space that we can expand our consciousness from. Um, and I guess, yeah, I feel really compelled by like the imaginative work of astrology and kind of like taking its lineage and uh, the symbols and what they've been assigned as a score to like play mm. with. And it'd be like, okay, you know, if the sun is representative of the heart um, and we're going to like embody the sun and mm -hmm. like embody our hearts, like how do we do that? You know, like how do we connect to the actual physical organ mm -hmm. to its physiology? Um, how do we feel its magnetism and its energy? How do we feel into its desires? Mm -hmm. And then to like have a personal experience first and right. then to kind of like, bring in the the symbolism like oh your son is in Aries and my son is in Leo like through our own embodied research do we find that we correspond with some of these energies that people are talking about like when you when you really embody your heart and its resonance or its magnetism mm -hmm. what's your experience and then what's my experience and how do we like play with that or talk about that yeah that's really cool I'm glad you said that like you you said like uh like astrology astrology is the score like it's mm -hmm. the score that our body keeps yeah yeah like yeah. i feel like there's so many like wounds that like kind of uh like just show up even when you're try trying to like perform an archetype sometimes that you can't notice um like in regular life yeah oh for sure yeah and i mean i love thinking about it like a score because I, scores are are so playful like they're just like mm -hmm. inherently ridiculous and yeah. kind of fun to work with and so um like feeling into the into the score of a chart or an aspect or a particular placement is like well, what's the potential and mm -hmm. my experience with astrology has been um mostly really good like i've mostly been uh, exposed to astrology and astrologers that have really expanded my self-awareness and given me so much care and healing. But I have had a couple readings that um, I felt like were a little damaging, you know, like mm. where an astrologer kind of like diagnosed something or prescribed mm. something in a very fundamentalist way or gave me some kind of judgment um mm. that they said was an inarguable fact you know it's like it's here in your chart that x x and y is going to equal z or something mm -hmm. um and then it stuck with me you know it like stuck in me mm -hmm. and luckily it wasn't my first or last reading you know so yeah. i i got to, i had a lot of resource to play around it but i think those experiences illuminated to me like what I don't want astrology to be um and the potential that I'm that I feel really compelled by which is um this like language for awakening you know mm -hmm. and 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 for like um 
relationships and innovation and stuff that can happen when we play with ideas or like work experientially with concepts. Yeah. I feel really inspired by what you're saying. Like, uh, like, especially what you're saying about like how, like embodying like that, like, like some of the meanings, like we're just like, we're noticing different things about ourselves. Yeah. Well, I feel like your book is just giving, I mean, it's like giving me a lot to work with. And so like, um, I haven't finished the Saturn chapter, but I finished the sun and the moon chapters. And um, yeah, I, I think, you know, what I was asking you about before, like how did the associations that you've been researching now come into play with your intuition or with your embodiment of astrology? Like I can feel that starting to happen for me, you know, on my subconscious level. And I'm getting, you know, it's like giving me new information that's like helping me ask different questions about what I'm, what I'm feeling and what I'm working with. Um, and I think I already kind of spoke to this, but for example, like with the sun, um, so often what comes up in a, in a client's chart, you know, might be a problem with the sun. And I think that the sun is sometimes like one of the more challenging placements because it's so important, you know, because it's so central um, as an energy. And I think that the sun just wants to express itself, right? Like this, it's like, this is a kind of like incredible power of fusion, you know, and, and that's what the sun does is it um, explodes particles and like any, any individual who's alive is going to be doing that, like taking in all the materials of their lives and exploding them and then turning them into like some kind of unique radiance and figuring out how to do that is like a life question. Like, how am I supposed to be myself? Like, how am I supposed to be true to me? Right. And in, in the, in a world that has so many obstacles to like authentic self-expression or something like that. Yeah. And then and then so like reading your chapter, like reading some of these thoughts that you gave to even the concept of authenticity, right? Or like who gets to be authentic or, or things like that. And into the image of, of the sun and it's uh, the way that it has been kind of like appropriated and co-opted by Christianity or by different kinds of religions and uh, then associated with monarchy and with power it like helps me understand some of the problems of being a self, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the contemporary world. Um, and I love that. Like, I love, I love how you've just problematized the sun for me mm -hmm. because it's like helping me understand like what this struggle is or what it can feel like. And um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's not like taken for granted that we like exist. Like we have to like kind of prove that we exist. Um, and so like that's why like and that's why working with Western astrology somatically, it can like I mean because like our wounds. That's why we kind of doubt that we exist. So then like we have to look at like why do we have these wounds? What's the history of our wounds? Um, right. Things like right. that. Yeah. Right. Or even you know like. So like reading this and like living in a white body, you know, and then like reflecting on white supremacy and, and whiteness um, and the relationship of whiteness to 
the solar, you know, or, and kind of like how you, you outline it in terms of, of monarchy and power and capital. It like gives me perspective on like the, the complications of, of existence, you know, in an embodied form and taking up space and having a self-expression and the responsibility of it in a world that has a history where not everybody gets to be seen as individual selves or be seen as selves with power. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And I feel like there's like, um, like kind of like two different ways or like multiple ways of working with astrology almost where it's like, yeah, there's like, you know, like there's like looking at our wounds through like this kind of like really heavy history. Um, but then there's like the play aspect too, which is important. Cause then like, yeah, like I, I just heard this story. Like, I can't remember who told me, uh, like they were telling me how, like there was this revolutionary in Korea who just told everyone that they're God. And then they created this like revolution where it was completely decentralized because there's no center. Like everyone just was like, oh, I'm God. So I like, I can't be oppressed. Like I'm not going to work anymore. Um, and so like, you know, it takes like a level of play to kind of get there too. So it's like, oh, like, you know, you can just tell everyone like, oh, you're God. Like, you know, like you're this like kind of like patriarch in the sky. Uh, and it does something too. So there's like, there's so many different ways of working with it. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Like, I love, like in, in what you just said, like, I can think about, you know, doing a, a rehearsal, you know, some kind of like practice around like, let's embody the sun as the center of the solar system. And we'll see how that feels, you know, and you can be a planet and I'll be the sun, then we'll switch. Um, and then let's do a second exercise where we're all suns. You know, we're all different. We're all stars. We're all, we're all suns that have our own, you know, planetary bodies orbiting us. And we all have our different spots, you know, in the Milky Way or something like that. Yeah. And, and the physical experiences will be dramatically different, right? right? Like, like the experience of being a solar self at the center of something, as opposed to being a solar self in community with other suns. Mm. So different. Yeah. That would feel completely different. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I'm interested in getting to your Venus and your Mars chapters and like understanding, you know, through the lens that you take kind of like how you're organizing around. I don't even feel like I want to use masculine and feminine as words anymore, but it's like more like the, the external or the internal moving force. Yeah, well, I think it's important to name things like, you know, that like, you know, just like control so much like ideas around masculinity and femininity. Um, mm -hmm. So like, yeah, I'm comfortable, like, yeah, just kind of like engaging with like, these things as concepts. Um, but like, for sure, like, you know, they're not made like these concepts, they're not made to be relatable to people. Like they're, yeah, they're made uh, in order to talk about war. And so like, that's why they feel like so weird when we're like, oh, am I masculine or am I feminine? Like, let me take this like quiz online to figure it out. And yeah, we can never figure it out. Right. Yeah, I guess what I was meaning to say is like, maybe um, I'm wanting to untie from myself, mm -hmm. like the association of an externalized power and masculinity oh, and like an internal power and femininity, I which I feel like that happens a lot with 
Venus and mm-hmm. Mars or yin and yang or like some of these concepts that mm-hmm. are often gendered, but like to their detriment, you know, like it, sure. as you're saying, like it's yeah. not, it's not that. Right, right. To kind of play with like different types of binaries as like not being like all about like this colonial gender system. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time um, to talk to me. And oh, cool. Yeah. No. Thanks for holding space, and thanks for your time and having this conversation. Oh my God. Yeah. It's such a pleasure. It's a real honor to meet you. And um, you too. Yeah. I've really enjoyed your work a lot, and hope to cross paths. So, um, what, how can people access you or like, what are the different ways that, um, you put out public offerings with your website and subscription and are you, do you have any events coming up or anything like that? Oh yeah. Check out my website. It's alicebrightlycat.com. It's cat with a K. Um, and then if you, I mean, if you want to join the mailing or yeah, the mailing list, like, uh, I sent out monthly horoscopes. Like if you want to join the reading group, like there's just like this button that says um, like donate and then uh, you can join the me- uh, reading group from there. Like I also have like another tier where you get monthly worksheets too. Um, and that's $5 a month. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of free content on my website. You can book a reading from me, like not through the website right now. You have to sign up for my mailing list. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, check out my website, alicesparklycatwithak.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and networks, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite listening platforms. And to help sustain this work, please consider leaving a one-time tip or becoming a subscriber. Find more information in the show notes or at embodiedastrology.com.